We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by Mr. Sean Siegel, Mr. Zero RB himself, and we're going to be talking a little NFL drafting here. As we all know, the Scott Fishbowl, uh, the ninth edition of it, is uh, started on Monday. So we're, uh, some teams are, are through a good few rounds, some, some people are just through one or two rounds. So we're going to talk a little bit about how our teams are developing through those first couple of rounds. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of articles as well on the site over the last couple of days. So lots of good stuff to come in to today's show. But uh, Sean, how's things this week? Great. It's always fun to be drafting in the fishbowl and, and looking at the interesting scoring settings, trying to figure out how those will apply to your team and to your team strategy. And just, you know, you're about to mention it here, but all the other positive things that the fishbowl does and, and this chance for the fantasy community to get together, bringing experts of, of all stripes uh, to one place. And then also a huge number of fans as well. Uh, it, it's one of the best times of the year yeah it's it's pretty crazy as to, to how much it's growing you know I, i'm lucky enough to you know have known scott for quite some time through uh when i was doing the oti or the overtime ireland podcast and uh he used to always come on regularly on that one and um, eventually that led to me getting into uh, the sfb i think this is my fifth year uh being involved in it so it's always fun each and every year but to see what uh you know it's growing from and what it's growing to now and obviously with fantasycares.net that the main kind of uh, focus behind it and for all the goodwill that the fantasy community does for it i believe last year was forty four thousand dollars they raised and for people who don't know uh, i think everyone who listens to fantasy podcast probably do know but uh, then it, uh, the money then is used to buy toys for children throughout the united states in different cities uh coming up to the holiday period so it's a fantastic charity a great idea from scott and uh, i think he's he's flabbergasted just how big it's become but uh, it is it is phenomenal each and every year so i always like to give a shout out to scott for what he started off and i know he'll say that other people have kind of brought it as well with him to where it has actually grown to now but i know they had the the podathon there they'd done 25 straight hours of podcasts uh, at the start of the week and uh, obviously that helps as well to bring in some donations so fantastic work by all around there we're going to be talking about our drafts in just a moment but 
Before we jump into those drafts and our, our talk, I just want to let everyone know as well, as we mentioned last week, uh, we are back now to one show every week. We had been doing it kind of every two weeks throughout the offseason, and as we get closer to the season, it's going to be every single week. And of course, we did mention last week as well that Rotoviz Patreon is back for the second season, and now it includes Rotoviz Radio Slack. We've had some fun in there over the last week, talking to some of the listeners and all the podcast hosts and some of the writers are involved in there as well. Patreon ships start from just $6 a month, and you're able to get in there, ask us questions, have some fun, get league one in advice from some of the, the best writers and podcasters in the fantasy business. Patreons also get first dibs on the listener league spots, and those leagues will be starting up soon. And in the $9 tier, you can get some sweet Rotoviz merchandise at the end of the season. Become a Rotoviz Radio Patreon today and get exclusive access to the community of listeners, access premium content, and help the network to continue to grow and produce industry leading content. And that can be found as well at patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz. Uh, speaking of exclusives, we always like to mention it at the start of the show too, the 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. Head on over to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. That is the podcast homepage. Get yourself that exclusive discount and get ready for the NFL season with all our premium content and tools up there on rotoviz.com. Once again, that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. So, Sean, jumping into the second quarter, mentioned at the start of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about our drafts, how they've set up for us, what our expectations were heading in, and what our strategy might have changed for the rest of the draft. So, when we look at it, I'll jump into my team first. Uh, I did use the Rotoviz. Uh, I stuck to the brand, <laughs> used the Rotoviz uh, Scott Fishbowl tool that we talked about last week on the show. Uh, and we mentioned last week on the show what our kind of hope was to start it. And I talked about, you know, probably getting one of those wide receivers at the back end of the first round and then coming back and maybe getting Kettler Ertz in that second round in the early spot I was picking from the 10th slot uh well my plans changed a little bit when both uh both Kelsey as we expected and then Kittle went off the board in that first round uh, TJ Hernandez taking uh, Kittle at the earliest spot that he's gone so far in the drafts I believe it was 106 that he took him off the board so really getting in there with the tight end so I kind of had my hand forced and uh, I went with Ertz at 110 but it did kind of work out in the reverse of what I was hoping to get I ended up with Michael Thomas at the 203 spot on the way back who I kind of had been thinking about targeting uh somebody like him deandre hopkins or Devontae adams at that at 110 spot so kind of flipped around what it was going to be i did have some thoughts at that point in going for uh, antonio brown or odell beckham who both went very shortly after but uh, we've talked on the show you know a little bit about when players change teams and how that can affect it i'm not all that sold on Derek carr as a quarterback and it's gonna be interesting to see how the raiders do so brown when i used the app was the highest scoring uh, in this format basically uh, over the last four seasons he had three of the highest seasons out of these guys I know we've had injuries um, in that time as well to Odell Beckham but uh, Brown's numbers uh, he cracked 400 uh, one, of the, one of the seasons just below it another season but I did go for Michael Thomas based on uh, the security quarterback the indoor games that they're going to be playing and also how important he is to that offense so uh, that was the decision there at that point I had kind of targeted my next player and that was carry on Johnson you know you kind of can make that decision and you know 24 picks later he could be gone a long time ago but carry on Johnson was there at 310 we talked about him a little bit on last week's show uh, and he was the player that I took there so uh, I am actually on the clock at 403 so we may we may discuss that pick in a moment but Sean uh, starting out um you know we talked about it last week we talked about carry on johnson last week as well so there's a lot of things we've touched on over the last couple of weeks but the 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 strategy so far from 110 what's your what's your thoughts there is it is it looking like an okay start yeah and carry on was a consideration for me as well in the third round it came to the 306 position he was still there ty hilton was still there one of the things that has been interesting about the draft that i am in is that we are now through four rounds two picks into round five and we've had 20 running backs go off the board only 16 wide receivers and i think 
the the draft is a little bit running back heavy going through looking at last year's scoring we had six running backs who scored over 30 points no wide receivers and so that gives you a sense of why you might want one of those stud running backs to start and this really fits in with what we've talked about as well in terms of the best ball strategy that if you can land one of the running back studs then you have the freedom to really go wide receiver for a long time and build that broad base at the receiver position without having to worry that well you know where am i going to get my running back starters can i get caught out when you have that star running back the way that you get caught out is that he gets hurt but otherwise from a roster construction perspective you're in great shape there are going to be lots of good running back opportunities later and so even though it was a little bit of a reach we're kind of in, a, in this tricky situation where there are four really clear picks i think to start the draft of those big four running back and then if you get outside of that it gets a little tricky uh i was lucky enough in mine uh aaron Rodgers went number two pushed the guys down a little bit but with the sixth pick i was still one pick outside of that group and so then it came down for me to david johnson melvin gordon uh julio jones or deandre hopkins and i think that hopkins and jones are actually much much safer picks than david johnson i think he's sort of the risk-taking upside pick there and you know you like you mentioned the tool you can go back you can look at 2016 if you feel like 2016 is the most representative for johnson compare his spread to melvin gordon over the last couple of years how johnson does in terms of scoring how he does in terms of hitting those all important achievements that we have in the sfb this year and uh, for me as an arizona fan you know we've talked about it on the show numerous times this is just a more fun pick even though melvin gordon is also one of my favorites so starting there my plan then to go wide receiver for a while but then carry on johnson he's a breakout running back this year scored well on a per game basis last year i think that's a fantastic pick for you uh, in the third round at the 10th spot i went ahead and went with ty hilton who has done well in this format who i expect to really break back into that group where he uh, really returns pretty clear a second round value he's been a second round pick in the past probably deserves to be a second round pick right now uh, i think the inflation at the running back position is pushing some of these these wide receiver studs down and then stefan diggs our favorite he has not been extremely popular and i think that that's perhaps a little bit of bad luck in terms of hitting the achievements in the past make his scoring look not as good as it's going to be for 2019 and so with him in the fourth round i I love the way this this draft is shaping up I, i mentioned that running backs have a 6-0 lead and over 30 scoring but even when you include those six backs wide receivers had an 18 to 12 lead in over 20 scoring last year so with the way that this works you have to only start two running backs now you can obviously start a lot more but with only needing two ideally you would have a six wide receiver starting lineup those points are going to be less expensive to come by you know you get the two quarterbacks you get your tight end i i really like how this team is going together and certainly encourage people to look at the wide receivers in that range uh, who do you have here at 403 what are the considerations that's the thing i was going to mention to you and uh, just when you mentioned we were talking about the app something that uh, interested me a lot in breaking down the app was the the fact that you know i mentioned the odell beckham and his injuries over the last couple of seasons missing you know a couple of games here and there the interesting thing was you could do it by a per game basis and uh, if you actually went per game over the last four seasons odell beckham actually would have had a better points per game than brown or thomas which i thought was very interesting because if you look at overall seasons and that's what a lot of people will do basically at any point in this process or on the app but when you broke it down to the pair game i thought that was something that was really interesting that uh, obj uh, did did beat both those guys out in it but at the, the 403 and i think it's you know very interesting the way both our teams are going in terms of the players we've talked about and the players you have drafted and i've drafted there are quite a few players in there that have come up time and time again throughout when when we've talked about uh, different players so far this off season but at this point and uh, it's interesting that you have have taken them uh, already in that fourth round although it is a couple of picks later the players that are interesting to me at this point are, are stefan diggs aaron jones and the other one that's really interesting to me is branton cooks and there, i always like branton cooks and, and kind of formats where you have to you know get get maximum points in that week he tends to be a player that can have those massive spike weeks but then those points have to add up over the entire season now the two players that i'm giving real consideration to are aaron jones um and stefan diggs and it's very rare for me to look to go for two wide or two running backs at this point but you know what the the favoritism to the 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 first downs and so on 
I think it could be a player who's in play. You mentioned how your draft went so far. At the moment, we have 17 running backs off the board, 12 wide receivers, and it's at the start of the fourth round. So it's pretty balanced. Uh, there's only six uh, quarterbacks off the board in this draft. So uh, what what was interesting, one of the pieces uh, that Blair had on the website last week, and we talked about it on last week's podcast, was the way that the, the, the top-end quarterback scoring can be quite different. But in terms of how it breaks down, uh, and that mid-range it kind of tends to to balance out so he thought that waiting on quarterback would be a smarter strategy uh, and 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 this for your draft process but they're the two players that i i'm quite interested in um at this point would be would be adding in that other running back but it's likely here that uh, when i hear your thoughts and and what the what in your lineup that uh, it's probably going to be stefan Diggs. uh would they be two players uh, that you'd be making a decision between or for you is that an easy one to, to roll with Diggs based on only having to start the two run, running backs i think it's an easy play to go Diggs here because running backs like aaron jones he was one of the people we recommended as a zero running back candidate a season ago uh you, you have marlon Mack, someone who's also going in that area again someone we recommended a season ago there are going to be players with that profile who simply haven't broken out yet now Mack and jones i mean they're very exciting players enticing players in those offenses right but they're also the kinds of guys who might have a little bit more weakness for other running backs coming up taking some of the workload there they're also the kinds of players where you really want to hit on those guys the year before they break out as opposed to then paying up for them in the subsequent season unless you really think they have that potential to break in to that top tier of the christian mccaffrey alvin Kamara type of profile now aaron jones is someone that we profiled even back before the draft uh, when he was a rookie and talked about how explosive he was how undervalued he was so we've been promoting him for a long time certainly like him in a vacuum i think from a roster construction standpoint uh, you end up taking on more risk when you go that direction certainly you're in a position here though where i think it, it's you know certainly exciting either way that there are no bad picks between those those people you listed it's interesting that you mentioned brandon cooks because he's someone who is still available early in the fifth round i'm a couple of picks away looking at cooks versus his teammate robert woods and i think the interesting thing here is that you go back you look at their 2018 lines even look a little bit at their 2017 lines but they have very similar numbers and then you pull up the achievements in the app and you see that cooks and woods have very similar achievements as well and yet woods outscored him by a pretty substantial margin last year which which brings you back a little bit to usage and that idea of the first downs and if there are some wide receivers who are used kind of in that really first down getting package with you know obviously woods we saw him carry the ball on a lot of different end rounds last year so i was wondering if you had any thoughts there obviously i'm guessing woods is also available is cooks your strong preference even though woods might actually have a little bit of a cheat in terms of scoring more points no I, I that's the reason that woods would be kind of a little bit down from stefan diggs in terms of um obviously we have Thielen in Minnesota but I think when you look at you know Cup coming back as well for LA I think you're going to see them two players be very similar in terms of Cooks and Woods and I I love Robert Woods he's somebody who I try and get on as many rosters as I can so it was kind of that you know if, if Cooks goes in the next let's say 12 picks there is a chance Robert Woods gets back to me at the the back end of the next round so that's kind of my thinking there a couple of players that could be interesting based on you know you were talking about the, the first down and how things roll in terms of, of certain offenses and you know somebody like Edelman or somebody like a, a Landry uh, could see a, you know a significant bump in terms of you know both receptions and and the first down usage that they get uh, and that can be something that Branton Cooks can be limited in in terms of uh, you know the, those shorter and volume points I would guess we'd call them in terms of what they get there somebody else who you know we're talking about running backs we don't talk a lot about these these running backs at this point sometimes on the show but Devontae Freeman is kind of that sort of player as well I think at the running back position uh, who could be interested in this format you know when we're looking at players getting volume uh, somebody like Lamar Miller has kind of been that player for the last two or three years where it's not exciting it's not really getting you that motivated to watch him play on a weekly basis but you know he, he has a role and he's likely to get the volume and you know a lot of times when we're looking at these sort of plays in fantasy 
uh, having that volume can really really boost up uh, the value so I, I think Freeman at the moment could be somebody who's a, a value there at the running back position just looking through the list of players uh, that are, are still available for me but uh, as we were talking Sean the decision the decision was made I, I, I had uh, Stefan Diggs you know as as the player that was uh, likely to be coming off the board there and uh, he is the one that has been selected so uh, starting off uh, Stefan Diggs and Michael Thomas at wide receiver carry on at running back and, and Zach Ertz and I think sometimes people do start to overvalue like the running back position in a, in a format like this especially when there's only two to start uh, especially in a league that's not just best ball that does have waivers each week so there is those opportunities to pick up running back help as well along the way so uh, i think i think uh, stacking up on wide receiver over the next couple of rounds is likely the way w- the way i'll be going uh, moving forward is that kind of the strategy that you're going to go for for the next couple of rounds uh, you know when do you envision that first rb uh, landing on your roster second rb sorry after after that first one and the, and the first round of david johnson i think the second one can end up very far down in a number of situations i'm going to continue to hit wide receivers here as long as they're undervalued and it looks like they will be for a while also at some point you have to dive in and grab a couple of those quarterbacks the interesting thing and you mentioned it in terms of hassan and and blair the work that they did in analyzing the strategy for this particular sfb and when you have some of these other positions where the players going at that same level in the draft have a similar point total, then you have a situation where you have to look and say, okay, well, it's not, if I have to start a position player, if I have to start a non-quarterback in the super flex position, that's not as devastating as it would have been in the past, where obviously both quarterbacks are going to score well above all other players and so that certainly doesn't mean that you don't want the qb in the super flex once you get through you're looking at your 11 starters you know being able to start that second qb will be important but it does push that position down the board certainly we're looking to take quarterback at the point where we don't have any running back or wide receiver values just absolutely screaming at us and then grab obviously your top people at that level we talked about that a little bit in terms of super flex dynasty drafts as well you can go back and check out that article on the site but i think the thing here is that as long as you can load up on those wide receivers because we're going to go a long time into this draft we are still looking at starters you have to start 11 players and so you don't want to start making picks to fix a position until you have all of those flexes taken care of so basically you just have a long time here where you can go for the the best value i thought it was interesting that you mentioned lamar miller and what i was just suggesting in terms of hitting on those running backs the year before they break out as opposed to afterward deontay foreman is someone there in houston where i think we could be talking about him in the same range as a marlon mack or an aaron jones in 2020 right and so the year that you really want to hit on them obviously is is before they do that houston poised to have an extremely explosive offense they've got that exciting quarterback they've got those three wide receivers all of them are going very early which would suggest that that's going to be a high-powered passing attack and or that those guys are overvalued but within that context and we're going to talk a little bit about it in overtime this houston team should be scoring a lot of points a lot of goal line opportunities if Foreman emerges there, even only in a part-time role, he's going to score a lot of points for you. I would rather have him than reach for someone like a Freeman early on, where there's just a lot of risk for the Atlanta starter in that range. Certainly Lamar Miller is always a value, but I think he's a value because most people do expect him to more or less lose that starting position, fall into the committee there. Yeah, and, and Dave Cabin has talked quite a bit on the the road of his radio flagship show the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, you know draft strategy and the running backs kind of between uh, round two and round eight and kind of trying to avoid those and th- they are two guys that would fall into that category. It's interesting when you're in a draft like this because of the super flex and because of the different rules. The kind of that two through eight range is probably more kind of the the four through twelve range in terms of where the running backs are going to start to pop up now in terms of availability. Just finally before we we wrap up on the the sfb draft so far in terms of uh running back or sorry quarterbacks i was almost going to call them running backs i'm going to try and target more uh those those quarterbacks that have that rushing ability based on the first down based obviously on how we know running quarterbacks can you know have a, a higher upside in terms of the rushing points that are added to their totals um you know I, i'm probably going to start looking i think cam newton is going to be a little bit too early for me unless uh it's a case where 
um, you know, he starts to, to fall down the draft boards a little bit. But players like Dak Prescott, players like Lamar Jackson, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago, you know, I, th- I said I was kind of high on Sam Darnold this season. He's a player that would fit in kind of to that mold for me. Uh, might might wait, uh, you know, all the all the way down and, and start picking up some guys like Josh Allen a little bit later. But th- their values too could spike in this format, so it's always hard to know. But is that are you are you going to start to look towards uh, the running quarterbacks in this format, or are you just going to see who's available come come that time uh, later on in the draft? I think it depends a lot on who's available here. One of the things with the rushing totals is that. In a normal format, you have any rushing value directly adds on, and that's very helpful to you because it balances out those passing touchdowns, especially in formats where you only get four points for a passing touchdown. So you can balance out that extra passing ability pretty quickly. In this particular format where you have to hit certain levels in order to get the achievement, then there's a little bit more of a balance there because you're not necessarily getting what you might call full value from these guys with the split profiles where it's part passing, part rushing. That said, I certainly wouldn't stay away from him. You know, wouldn't stay away from someone like a Lamar Jackson who could hit the rushing achievement from time to time. And then really looking at the guys who might be strong passers, but not exciting people like a Philip Rivers. I think uh, someone like an Andy Dalton who, you know, the, the Cincinnati offense has been banged up over the past several years. The coaching has been fairly weak. They get those guys back. You know, you're talking about having AJ Green. You're talking about having Tyler Boyd, someone who probably is going to go into the season as one of the most undervalued players in all of fantasy football. The team has had a hard time staying healthy and that's obscured how high powered they can be if they have all the pieces you obviously have joe mixon there who brings that hybrid ability now with the new coaching staff and a much more uh what you might call contemporary nfl offense an offense where they're going to go and they're going to attack they're going to try and score it'll be interesting to see what they do now certainly andy dalton is not someone that i would expect you to uh, be, be targeting as a qb1 or even a mid qb2 but i think that you can withstand some of the quarterback runs knowing there are some guys late uh, someone like a marcus mariota as well where his receiving core has been significantly upgraded then i think you want to look at those guys where you could see this offensive jump now they become more palatable too and that you know certainly you're taking on risk when you have quarterbacks like dalton like mariota and there's a little bit of projection there but i think if that allows you to build a much stronger overall roster what you're looking to do in the fishbowl certainly you want to win your own division that's exciting and uh, certainly you get bragging rights there Uh, you don't want to look at just the huge tournament but there obviously is this large tournament element to it as well where i think if you can build your roster with some upside in it take a little bit of risk in a way that's not particularly risky which is to target a quarterback you have some of these points that are really sort of preset that you can count on and so you're not necessarily going to destroy your team unless those guys get hurt potentially then there would be some options for picking up some backup quarterbacks you can build in some redundancy there so you have the safety but these lower end qbs in this particular format i think allow you to build your roster in a way that just has a ton more upside than if you have to pay a lot for them early Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been over 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and now they've grown to be the world's largest dynasty commissioner, with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. And for those of you who are ready for the greatest challenge, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What exactly is the FFPC main event? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. And this year, it's coming to you with a half a million dollar grand prize and over $3.1 million in total prizes. Come to Las Vegas for the three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home. Find out more about the main event deadline coming up in just a few days on Monday, July 22nd. To do so, head on over to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. So, Sean, as we jump into the third quarter, we're going to look at your piece on the third-year breakout wide receivers. We talked last week about some of the fourth-year options. The third-year options might be a little bit more uh, exciting this week um, when we look through those and, you know, why 2019, you you have it in the title, why 2019 is loaded with candidates that could break out here. Uh, this is one of my favorite pieces. I did tease it last week on the show, but what uh, what did you come away with uh, after diving into some of the figures and some of the details to, to share with our listeners? Yeah, so we updated the piece with the 2018 numbers and we finally got another third year breakout. I talk a little bit about it in the article, how from 2001 to 2013, fantasy owners watched as 19 third year wide receivers hit 200 points for the first time. Over the following four years, though, only Devontae Adams managed this feat and it became more obvious that these this sort of myth of the third year wide, wide receiver breakout is just that. It's a myth. Even in that time period where they were a little bit more successful uh, previous to the last four or five years, they were still outdone by a wide margin by the second year wide receiver breakouts. And we talk a lot about that on the side, a lot about that on the show, how to build your team with the right amount of upside, you need to be targeting the second year wide receivers. However, just because the third year has been a little bit overhyped in the past doesn't mean that it doesn't have some interesting guys. And certainly with our favorite player, Tyler Boyd, being added to that list, uh, you know, we have some affinity there for those guys. A few of the takeaways from the article, you know, in this time period, we had 21 players break out, including eight former first round picks. It was a little bit surprising, however, that only two of those first rounders went on to be long-term wide receiver ones, and those would be Demarius Thomas and Roddy White. Now, one of the things that we talk about and really emphasize is that based on the progression of players through the early years of their NFL experience and when players are breaking out, we do see very different profiles from these breakouts. And so one of the big differences between the third year and the fourth year breakouts was that this class did not feature nearly as many players outside the first 100 sections. We only have two third-year breakouts who came outside of the top 100 picks. You'll remember a week ago that there were a huge number of late-round breakouts in that fourth-year class. So this cohort has heavily favored second- and third-round picks. And we have guys like Steve Smith, Eric Decker, Devontae Adams. Those guys all went on to become stars. Meanwhile, Lavernius Coles, Chris Chambers, Sidney Rice established themselves as pretty strong fantasy options. Tyler Boyd now will look to continue in that tradition. If we exclude Boyd, nine of the 20 wide receivers who have had a second season or had a subsequent season hit the threshold again. And of those who did not, only the Panthers, Steve Smith. So both Steve Smiths broke out actually in their third year. One of them went on to a better career than the other. So only the Panthers, Steve Smith, rebounded to be a long-term wide receiver one. This was also a little bit different than the fourth year class where we had a number of people in that class who suffered injuries in their subsequent seasons, but then did go on to hitting 200 points again than in the future. So one of the similarities, however, the third year breakouts, they averaged 177 points the year following. That was almost identical to the fourth year breakouts, similar to the fifth year breakouts. Those numbers still trail by a wide margin, the first and second year breakouts, which is one of the reasons why you do want to attack those guys in your dynasty leagues and do want to be aware of how much more powerful those early breakout guys are as they go through their NFL careers. Now, that's fairly intuitive, right? We would expect those guys who break out early to 
go on to better careers, but it's nice to have some confirmation of that to see it in the numbers and remember to be a little bit more skeptical, perhaps, of some of these guys who break out later. Now, with that said, Tyler Boyd, obviously one of those people we hope continues on to a very good career. Colin, we talked about Tyler Lockett last week as being our top recommendation. Tyler Boyd, our top recommendation for the third year guys. So that's obviously exciting that in the 2018 season, our research really helped us identify the best breakout candidates. So you teased it. This class is loaded with potential 2019 third year breakouts. I mentioned in the article just a few of the guys who are going um, in different spots in the draft, really wildly diverging ADPs, but finished within 20 points of each other a season ago. And that would be Chris Godwin, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, D.D. Westbrook, and Zay Jones. Now, kind of starting with those first three guys, the trendy guys, do you have any preferences between Godwin, Davis, and Williams? Are any of those people on your SFB board, for example? They, they all will be if the, the value is right. But the, the one I really like out of this group, to be honest, is one of the, the names below that, and that's D.D. Uh, Westbrook. I think the, the situation he's in this year has him really primed to break out. Now, I think in terms of those five, I would have the other four and then out of zay jones obviously split from that the reason for zay jones obviously um the biggest split is based on the off-season acquisitions um in buffalo so i've kind of i've kind of jumped ahead already to the second level of the, the the actual locking into them but out of the first three that you mentioned i think you have to look at chris godwin has been in the best situation in terms of deshaun jackson now being out of town uh, they also have um, adam humphreys now with the titans so it opens up things a lot for him based on him and Evans obviously you have OJ Howard at tight end Cameron Britt still there but Chris Godwin should have uh, ample opportunity this year to take a step forward um, it's gonna be interesting to see how that new offense all is uh, integrated there Corey Davis uh, while I think the the acquisitions in the draft could affect him I still think there's uh, an opportunity there for things to, to really start to pick up for that offense um, you know I, I've always been a big fan of Marcus Mariota but uh, over the last couple of years it just seems to be whether it's injuries or whether it's performance it just hasn't continued to go in the right direction overall for for him and the titans on offense but when i when i look at the group the, the ones that i really see stepping in the, the right direction and I, I will include Corey davis in that i i think when we look at mike williams terrell williams now is also moved away in terms of uh, going to the Raiders so uh, there's a lot of positivity around these guys in terms of how we could see opportunities go their way this year but the, the three that I really like are, are D.D. Westbrook, uh, Chris Godwin and Corey Davis and the thing I've really liked about how they've gone so far in their careers is how they started off as rookies took a step forward and developed as uh, sophomore players and then we're heading into the third year where we, we can't expect that breakout to happen um pretty much uh, you know across the board they, they've had an increase in, in, in receptions obviously an increase in yards and then an increase in touchdowns so they're all trending in the right direction Westbrook last year at 66 receptions 717 yards and five touchdowns and I think you know Nick Foles mightn't be the best quarterback in the world he's shown it in clutch situations but I think there's no doubt at this point in his career that he's an upgrade over Blake Bartles I think that there helps Westbrook in that situation um, you know last year there was chances for Godwin when um, there was injuries um, to to Deshaun Jackson, but um, you know he still finished the season with just fifty nine receptions. I thought that was a little bit disappointing for him in terms of his overall production and the opportunities they had last year. But it was a bit of a, a dumpster fire at times. But when you look back, you know all the talk last year about the quarterback in Tampa. If you combine the two of them together, you know in terms of the points they would have put together, I think the way his season finished last year. I, I don't know about you, Sean, but I I would have thought it was a little bit underachieving. I think then when you look at Corey Davis, like we look at Corey Davis last year and, you know, the way people talk about how his season went, the way the draft has gone for him, Corey Davis, you know, across the board last year, um, out to the touchdowns had better numbers than than uh, Chris Godwin. And I think a lot of people would have a lot higher opinion on Chris Godwin than Corey Davis at this point. So, uh, the one the one I'd be targeting out of those based on their current ADP and value would be D.D. Westbrook. If I had to pick one of the, the, the next two in terms of Godwin and Davis, I think I would be giving Davis the edge based on um, wh- what he did last year and what I think he can do this year if that offense can take a step forward. But I think most people would have it with Chris Godwin at the top of that list. Do you have Godwin at the top of, at the top of that uh, kind of group of, of three or four players or, or how do you kind of shake them out in terms of value for, for 2019? Well, Mike Williams is a guy where we're really going to see not exactly his second season because he played a little bit as a rookie. You get that adjustment 
period mentally and emotionally as a rookie even if you miss a lot of time with injury so it's not the same thing as saying that okay it's really the second season for him it really still is his third season but in terms of playing experience he's going to be a little bit behind the other players which in its own way is positive we we still have a little bit more projection for him there and I know there are folks who are excited about Hunter Henry. Obviously, they pass to the running backs extensively in that offense. But I think that with the competition there, simply being Keenan Allen, I think there is this opportunity for him to expand his yardage volume, which if that occurs, he's going to jump not into the elite, but into the real value situation in terms of where he's going, even though he is going fairly enthusiastically. The other person I, I do like, and I like without actually drafting a bunch. And so that's something to to definitely mention, you know, that it still is a, a tricky thing in terms of drafting him for me. But Zay Jones is someone I do have a lot in Dynasty. And I think it's interesting that he is so written off simply because of these acquisitions and because Robert Foster finished the season hot. The guys they brought in, you've got an underneath threat and you've got a vertical threat, very niche players, not people who are going to come in and command a big volume, any sort of positive situation for Buffalo. If you have those two guys as volume receivers, then that offense is still not going to work. That's not who they are. Foster, interesting, you know, could be someone who gets in the way, but say Jones, someone they drafted, someone who has actually survived and succeeded in what has been a horrible situation four receivers. And so you look at where he is, look at the fact that he just did not score that many fewer points than these much trendier players in this group. You go back, you look at, at where he was in college. So in terms of the slightly discount guys, you've obviously mentioned Westbrook. He's someone I've got a lot. Westbrook and Jones, prolific college players, right? And then solid second season so you're looking really at just the rookie season and Westbrook again mostly because of some injuries there where there was a lack of success overall these guys are successful players and I think that that college performance is interesting we talk a lot about experience adjustments for the college guys so these players who were good early in college come out after their junior season have good rookie seasons those are the people like Juju Smith-Schuster who go on to be superstars but that doesn't mean that people who stay a little bit later, someone like Jones, who puts up these huge numbers as a senior, could not still be good. We've seen people like a Cooper Cup, like a Kenny Galladay, some guys who maybe were in not as high profile of college programs, stay for four years, and then go on and break out in the NFL. If that Buffalo offense can get going, which there are still plenty of questions about that, plenty of questions about Josh Allen there. I think Zay Jones is a sleeper. Of any of the people in that group, he's the one guy I think could still emerge as an impact receiver as opposed to a role player. So, Sean, jumping into the fourth quarter now, another piece that you have looking at uh, kind of the, the breather backs or the, the pass catching backs and how to exploit some of their ADPs, which you classed as crazy. And I, I looked at your piece this week. I also looked at uh, Court Smith's latest piece on Mind the Gap. We talked about the first piece uh, last week in that, and he's talking about uh, 10 committee backs to look to target. And there was some crossover in those players, which was uh, very interesting because obviously the, then it leads to kind of seeing you're kind of both on the same page on those guys but looking through them there's quite a few guys that i don't think well listeners will be surprised that we would would like a lot of these guys but uh then when you've dug into the, the data obviously it's popping up as well and uh, th- that's always nice to see but do you want to take a, a run through maybe one or two of the guys that uh, are your favorites at this point that you want to be uh, looking looking to target and uh, drafts moving forward yeah so the, the first thing i mentioned in the article is that i love the smaller backs with freakish athleticism. I love this run to daylight kind of runner. And I think those guys are are cheap in fantasy. So if you enjoy watching them and then you're going to get them as a discount, I mentioned that a lot of my high stakes teams in the past, the ones that came back with the big money, they had small guys like, you know, Jamal Charles comes in in that 200 pound range, Ray Rice. Um, Obviously you have LaShawn McCoy in there. You've got, um, a couple of other you know big time backs in that smaller group and because of their size 
they end up not being nearly as expensive, especially pre-breakout. And I also mentioned the article that sometimes you can get these guys for free, like we had with Philip Lindsay, a small guy who not invited to the combine, not drafted, but fantastic college player who was also a great athlete. Right. And so, you know, is it a surprise when someone who's not drafted does what he does? Yes. But is it a surprise based on his production and athleticism? Not at all. And so we want to continue to find these guys who everything about them points to being a star, except for maybe the opportunity, because as soon as the opportunity changes, then you have a star. Whereas if you're drafting one of these big guys who runs a four, six was okay in college is just part of the committee. You know, when the opportunity comes there, what you're going to get again is just a guy. Right. So looking at some of these stars, we've talked about people like Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack, our recommendations in the past. Earlier in the show, I said, don't target them, target the guys who are going to get to that level. Now, the three people I think are really interesting here are the four guys. There are four players that we recommended in our zero running back targets last year. All four of them fantastically athletic. All four of them destroyed ADP. And all four of them are back to that same basic ADP range again. So first one, Austin Eckler, he's a 195 pound guy with a 40 inch vertical, 6.853 cone, a 4440. 2018 ADP running back 51, 2018 finish running back 26. Over the 29 ADP is back to running back 43. Matt Breida, even even more athletic, 439, 40, 42 inch vertical, 685, three cone. 2018 ADP running back 53, 2018 finished running back 25. And, you know, for opportunity-based reasons, 2019 ADP back to running back 50. Cohen, right? Actually, maybe not as athletic, 44240, but anybody with those viral videos, you know, you're going to be able to get on board with that one <laughs> there. 2018 ADP running back 27, 18 finish 11. Running back 11, back to, because a rookie was drafted, we're now back to the exact same ADP in 2019 of running back 26. And then finally, one of our second year players, we have Hines there in Indianapolis. He was a 96th percentile, 43840, running back 43 in ADP, beat that by 15, running back 28 finish. His ADP now is actually less expensive as a second year player at running back 44. So those are four of the eight guys that we profiled. Interesting, I think, that they are these freak athletes. They had their 2018 ADPs. They blew those away. They're right back again there this year. Of those four guys, are there any particular guys that stand out to you? I know that some of these players are Rotoviz favorites, but I'm assuming, Colin, that you have a particular one that you're targeting. they're all guys that uh, really stick out but you know i'm going to go through a few things that you said when you when you go down through uh you know eckler and then Breda, and then you mentioned cohen and say that he's not as athletic as the first two guys it just shows how athletic them other two guys actually are because when you look at you know cohen the first thing you think of is how explosive he is how athletic he is Uh, and those guys obviously they may not get that that talked up as much because of the as you mentioned the kind of viral parts of it um you know in terms of like matt burrito was playing on a team that really struggled last year but to jump into burrito uh, i seen evan silva tweeted earlier today on him uh, he was a player i was very high on this time last year you know in terms of a zero rb candidate he separated his shoulder last preseason he had a high ankle sprain in week five he seemed to be like a bionic man going through the season they, they really it seemed like a season ended on a number of occasions but then he would come back in and finish the game or he'll be back in the next week he averaged 5.32 yards per carry 11th in the nfl and carries 15 plus yards 27th in the nfl in terms of actual carries and the third most yards from scrimmage of any undrafted free agent running back in his first two seasons over the last decade so more stuff to back up uh, matt breeder the concern for him obviously is Tevin Coleman's there now uh Jarek McKinnon coming back from injury it remains to be seen as to how healthy he will be when the season starts but I still think Breda can be a, a really really good uh pickup there at his current ADP Eckler somebody who I've really liked since he came into the league Cohen is somebody who I really like but out of these guys the one that I'm really uh, looking to target heavy this season uh, and, and that's Naheem Hines and if you look what has happened from last year to this year there's not a lot has happened in terms of what uh the situation is it's still marlon mack in front of him marlon mack has improved in terms of what we ex- like expect of him as a player moving forward but that still leaves that opportunity that he had last year and the door is still open to gain some more 
from that opportunity so Naheem Hines while his ADP is basically dropped by one spot from last year his actual NFL profile for somebody watching the game or playing fantasy football should have increased uh, from last year if you look in terms of um, what he did coming in in terms of uh, the receptions he had um, you know as a rookie you know there's not many rookies come in and have that impact in the passing game um, and you know just overall of what he can what he can do this season now uh, and the and the road of his patreon uh, slack channel we have a we have one place for hot takes and my hot take was that I thought Hines would finish this season as a, a top 24 running back so last year finished top 28 and then this year obviously he's going at RB 44 off the board uh, do you think that that is actually a hot take? I, I I don't think it's that much of a, an expectation to see him finish in that top twenty four based on what he did last year, based on how I think this offense is going to likely improve a little bit this year, and based on the opportunity we'll have. Do you think that's something that is in the the range of outcomes for Hines in, in twenty nineteen? Definitely. Anytime that you finish as running back twenty eight as a rookie and have the type of profile that's very resilient to different things that happen on your team, anytime that your coach comes out and says that okay, this is way beyond what we expected. So it was interesting to follow him, not necessarily as a reality player, but as a fantasy player, where he was drafted kind of in those middle rounds. He has this uh, explosive nfl combine you know we wrote a lot about him anthony amico had some cool things on the site uh, discussing how his overall profile within his model projected extremely well to the nfl and you know with the pushing that we were doing with his speed with him moving into this colts offense that didn't have a lot of other playmakers then he got to be this trendy buzzy kind of player and then the preseason starts he looks completely overwhelmed a bunch of big fantasy guys are making fun of him and he begins to absolutely plummet in terms of adp and you know you watch that roller coaster ride and it's interesting to go back and kind of look at him as a reality player and what the team actually expected what they wanted the role to be and how they saw his progress and for his head coach to come out and say he's way ahead of where we expected him to be he's a better player he's a more sophisticated player he can handle more things uh he's got this very strong role within the offense for us you know i think that once you strip out some of the buzz and the way the buzz went up and down a season ago and look at just what he is as a reality player it's very very exciting and the chance for him to take a step forward as a second year player is is huge right so there's probably a ceiling on his performance that is lower than the very top guys. But in terms of, of being able to get a hot take or a bold prediction, as opposed to what you went with, I'm going to give you the opportunity to uh, do something a little similar to what we did last year with Cohen, where we were asking, okay, is he going to outscore Jordan Howard, who was drafted far, far ahead of him? Is Hines going to outscore Marlon Mack in 2019? that's funny you asked that because somebody actually uh said in the slack group that they thought that i must really be low on marlon mack and while i w- was very low on jordan howard last year i am not actually it's not a case that i'm very low on marlon mack i think that he probably will finish in that top 24 range this year but i think he might be a little lower than his adp is currently going i think both of them will be like i think this could be the the best kind of one-two combination in the NFL in terms of the the overall running backs. I think we've seen last year the team tried to run it a lot more because they have an improved offensive line. They're they're thinking about Andrew Luck's long term, you know, future now rather than what we've seen for a couple of years where they just were letting them get demolished behind that line. So I think both guys will have value this year, and I have actually drafted Mac uh, in a couple of spots uh, this off season. But in terms of value and outperforming ADP, um, I, I think that the Hines is the one that's definitely going to outperform it so where where I really jumped aboard that one last year with Cohen um I, I think I think I'm balanced more on on the two guys this year but Hines is a definite target uh you know in terms of last year we're not going to see him have a huge amount of upside in, in his rushing ability he had 85 rushes last year but he had uh, 81 targets 63 receptions I think that's where the strength is the only concern I would have with Hines is uh Paris Campbell uh, since he was drafted obviously uh, people will start to think of what he can do in that shorter range passing game but I, I still think there's a safe floor there for Hines and I think the upside could push him up to that uh, you know up to that top 24 but do you think do you think since you asked the question that it's going to it's going to come back that it can only be Mac or Hines in this situation or do you think we could see like that kind of Tevin Coleman uh, Devontae Freeman kind of 
you know scenario we've seen a couple of years back you know where we have a a, a twosome who can really um, put up those points on a weekly basis I think it'll be a little bit more like what we saw with Darren Sproles in New Orleans, where they had a number of feature backs who scored well, who were top 15 running backs while he were there. He was there. And yet Sproles was the guy, at least for a season, season and a half, couple seasons in that window where you know he was the top 10 back in that group. The Colts are just really primed to have a ton of value at the running back position. They're going to score a bunch of points. And similar to what we've seen with the Chargers, they're going to have a bunch of points overall as an offense, and a lot of that is going to be centered in passes to the running back position. I think if we can have a little bit more pace from the Colts than we get from the Chargers, then the upside is still there. They get ahead. They're willing to continue to blow people out. They run plays at a little more frantic of a rate than, than what the Chargers do. You have that type of scenario where Mac, if he stays healthy, I think it's going to do fine. There just is more risk in his profile. He's one of those guys where to really blow away his ADP, then uh, I think you're looking at a less likely scenario than some of the more straightforward ones. For Heinz, the thing that's great about him is the straightforward scenario will have him destroying his ADP. So that's a pretty easy target for me. So, Sean, as we get ready to wrap up things in overtime here, we're going to look at a little bit of a, a quick fire at a new piece up on the site by Ryan Collinsworth. Ryan's a, a new addition on the site um, over the last couple of weeks and uh, looking at uh, his latest series, which is going to be how the NFL's passing revolution affects fantasy redraft strategy. He's going to be looking a little bit uh, in his series about different elements um, in terms of offense in the NFL. I thought it was a very interesting piece looking through it. One of the key things I took away from it was – you know, in terms of how good last year was from a, a statistical point of view for the quarterback position, for the wide receiver position, that led to a little bit of a dip then in the running backs. But we've seen that top end running back really deliver last year. So it's that balance. Uh, my thing was, are we going to see 2019 regress to what the mean would have been previously? Where Are we going to see it similar? Is it a, a, like a consistent change we're going to see moving forward? Maybe some people are, maybe we are kind of overreacting to what we've seen last year. In terms of the 2018-2019 season, uh, Ryan mentioned that the it was um, leading in terms of the, the statistical categories since the 20. 20- 2003-2004 season in terms of highest average yards per play highest average yards per pass attempt highest average yards per rush attempt second highest total points scored second highest total yards third highest passing yards third highest pass run percentage uh, sixth highest pass attempts ninth highest total plays ninth highest rush yards but the lowest rushing attempts so on all of those do you think all of those will continue to happen in that way in 2019 then 2020 or do you think we're going to see it regress a little bit in 2019 this is really cool stuff from ryan who's going to be a fantastic addition to the road of his writing staff i i think that we're going to see a similar season and the reason that i think that are is is twofold right we talk about the nfl being a copycat league and you've got a lot of these young coaches who have been extremely successful bringing these offenses in that Spread, the, spread you out, pass a lot, challenge you in all dimensions of the field, You know, have a lot of these option types of plays, have some college elements to them, really make you defend everything, right? The other element with that, and this is something that we've talked about since the beginning at Rotoviz, obviously plenty of other folks have been talking about it for a long time. The Fantasy Douche had a ton of great articles about it in the 2013-2014 range. Even talked some about how ineffective or how useless or even counterproductive some of the star running backs can be, right? Because you go back and you look at the contribution of some of these star running backs, and when you have a good running back, then there's this temptation to use them more, and that destroys your offense because running is such a poor choice in so many different situations. It's crazy to go back and think that actually having better running backs would torpedo your offense because it pushes you into play calling that is suboptimal, right? So when we have this copycat league and then we have also beyond scheme right and we got some great schemes from some of these young coaches we also have the understanding that a higher percentage of passing plays is going to lead to better drive success more total points and allow you to control the game and that's how you win you score more points than the other team you don't run a lot of plays that are unsuccessful now i think the big thing 
that will be interesting to see for 2019 and going forward is how these teams address the second half. One of the big differences between what the Rams are doing, what the Saints are doing, to an extent what the Chiefs are doing, compared to some of the run-and-shoot teams of the past. Now, there are some scheme differences, but there's also this difference in the way that those teams want to get ahead and then they do want to control the clock as opposed to maybe continuing to run super high tempo, super high passing-based offenses. We've also seen that a little bit with the Patriots and the run-based element that they bring in the second half of games. So how will all of these stats play out if you have these power teams scoring, getting ahead, and then because they're so effective, because you have to defend the pass, then they're also very difficult to defend on the run. So they can take the air out of the ball in the second half. I think if you're a fantasy owner, the thing that you're really hoping doesn't happen too much is that you have these blowout victories from the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, where you don't get those second half points. So that's the thing that I'm kind of interested to see is can other teams compete? Can they keep up? Can they fuel these shootouts to where we have really exciting fourth quarters that are still high-powered, high-volume fourth quarters to play? Do you think that's the way it's going to work out, or or would you expect it to go maybe halfway between what we saw in 2017 and what we saw in 2018? I think it'll be pretty close again. I think that you hit on a lot of the good points, the young coaches that have come in, you know, like Sean McVay. I think we'll see the, the 49ers take a step forward this season in terms of Kyle Shanahan. I'm hoping there's some improvement in terms of the Green Bay offense. I know we have Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, but there's a lot of issues there we all know about. Uh, You know, there there should be those more offensive teams. We know Sean Payton's going to continue to be offensively minded. Andy Reid's going to continue to do what he did last year, especially with Mahomes there. So there is those coaches who are kind of up in the ante and pushing to, to you know really put their foot on the the opponent's throat and really push forward you know we should see the cleveland browns be able to, to put up more points and, and things like that so i think we have a kind of core of younger coaches and then of course we can throw andy reed into that as well who continues to kind of evolve what he does but that are trying to put up those points and i think then like you mentioned it makes the other teams try and keep keep together with that we will still see teams like you know i think the seahawks are probably going to continue to try and run the ball as much as they can the cowboys may do something similar uh you know we're going to see teams that want to keep the 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 ball under control and not really do uh, that much with it and keep it safe and you know but we're seeing more and more teams i think adapt the philosophy that running on first down isn't a good idea uh you know running then on second 10 is a very bad idea you know i think we're going to see more uh kind of strategic play calling from that perspective and i think what will happen is like you see with the the younger coaches coming in if there is enough of them have success we'll see them then stay in those roles and we'll see that their change become permanent because that's the way they're going to play moving forward i think what we've seen for a long time in the nfl is that older generation stick to what they know and we've seen that for maybe 20 30 years and i think that there as those coaches are phased out a little bit we'll see more and more of this come in more you know if we're looking at you know the situation in arizona you're seeing the coaches coming in from college it's going to bring fresh ideas and and i know chip kelly uh kind of probably done it the wrong way when he came in from college but there is still some of the things that he would have taken in from the college game that have been passed across then uh, to what's actually happening on a a seasonal basis or a week-to-week basis in the nfl so i think we'll see it pretty pretty like kind of 75 uh, to 100 percent of the same it probably won't it won't hit the the heights that we've seen last year but i think we'll see it in that kind of range of possibility so i'm super excited for this season in terms of the the offensive opportunities that we're going to see and hopefully of course that makes it more interesting for fantasy football higher scoring games higher scoring fantasy games then with that uh, and lots more uh, fun times to talk about so it's been a really good show we've we've really it's, it's been a bumper episode we're just coming up to the hour mark so i hope all the listeners have really enjoyed this one um, it's good as well i always say to sean after the show i love shows where we don't agree on everything there's some points i made that sean went back on and maybe had a different perspective and i, I always love when there's different uh, we're not just agreeing with each other all the time so fun fun show looking forward to the rest of the the scott fishbowl draft this week uh, and we'll be back next week as i mentioned with another show we'll be adding in some of our thoughts on how our drafts finished up hopefully they will be wrapped up by then and we'll be looking at some more of the pieces up on the site so a really good one this week make sure you check out all the other shows across the network um, as i mentioned earlier in the show uh, become a rotoviz patreon help support the podcast network get in to the slack group have some fun there with guys like myself hassan rahim uh, lots and lots of the team in there i know the tradecast team 
Beamer in there too, Dan Sanio, Nathan Powell. So there's lots of people to, to jump in and have a, a good conversation with regarding fantasy football. And until we're back with another show next week, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel, who you can follow at FF underscore Contrarian. And until we're back next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us on e- via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Nobody builds 5G. Like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.